this happened before I got into the modelling industry. Everything that ever happened to me was blamed on the modelling industry. Oh, if you didn't get into modelling now, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And actually... It started before. It started before. And welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome my guest this week in studio, award-winning author, health and wellness coach and motivational speaker, Alison Canavan. We're talking about mindfulness this week and it's a topic that people have requested time and time again. And I'm really excited to find out more from people who really know what they're talking about. We'll be joined on the line later on by presenter and broadcaster Sheila Shoga as well. But Alison, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making it in. We're going to start things off with our guest and it's called Six Words or Less so it's for our listeners and our readers of her.ie who may not know who you are so you have to describe yourself in six words or less. Much more comfortable in this world. Oh, that's a really nice one. I like that. It also begs the question that I'm going to ask which is when were you not comfortable in this world? So I suppose like we'll just get into it and talk hmm. about that. Before for most we, of my life. Yeah, I mean before <laughs> we get into mindfulness I was on your, your website and Obviously, you were a model for 18 years, so you travel the world and you said that you always felt slightly incomplete, Mm. but you weren't entirely sure why you felt like that. So when did that become a question that you needed to answer? I think it was always a question. So I've always been a a spiritual soul seeker from a very young age. You know, I always had my angel cards and as you can see, I'm big into my crystals. I'm going to ask about that crystal in a little while. Yeah, And I've always been, you know, interested in you know, asking the big questions since I'm very young. Like I even remember being in school and I went to a convent and the first question I ever asked was, why are the nuns so mean? Because not all of the nuns were, but we had a couple of particular ones. Like one used to lift us up by the ears and, you know, at that stage, it's not that long ago, but we we were hit across the hand, you know, if we did yeah. something wrong. And I always used to come home and go, do these people not work for God? But he's supposed to be really nice. So I'm not putting this together. And this started big questions for me questions were there from a very yeah. young age like who is God what is God you know really trying to explore the whole world of kindness and mm-hmm. and trying to I was always trying to find my place in this world and I got into modelling at a very young age and at about 15 and I was blessed you know I got to travel the world like it was an incredible opportunity because I never really knew what I wanted to do yeah. like I was like I don't really know what I want to be yeah um and even now, like I'm just finding my feet, like I turn 40 next week and I really feel like I'm starting just to get into a flow now of, you know, really understanding kind of who I am. But it is a daily process that I work on all the time. It's interesting that you say, you know, that you didn't really know what you wanted to do. And obviously you're turning 40 next week and you're incredibly centred now at mm. the moment. But at 15, getting into an industry like modelling and you having these kind of big philosophical questions about life, mm. was that not a crazy juxtaposition? I mean, because that world must have been mental. Yeah. I mean, what is that world like for a teenager, essentially? Um, it's, it is crazy. Yeah. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's things that are accepted sorry excuse me there's things that are accepted in that world that are not accepted in any other world you know from a behaviour perspective and I suppose I I struggled with depression and anxiety from a very young age you know and deep insecurities and I've done a lot of silent retreats and and I remember last year on one of my 10 day silent retreats I had these really vivid memories that came back of my teenagers Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we become what we, we are told we are. You know, we live out the stories of what people say to us, what our parents say to us, what teachers say to us. And it's like, oh, but my mother said I'm like this or but my teacher said I'm like this. And then we start to live those things out yeah. instead of going and being introspective and actually figuring out who we are. Yeah. And I got these really clear memories back of being about 14 and, you know, with these older kids and, you know, starting to drink and smoke and feeling these deep insecurities and those kind of things giving me, I don't know, what I thought at the time, like a personality. And I remember yeah. people responding differently to me. And I thought, wow, well, isn't that interesting? This happened before I got into the modelling industry. Everything that ever happened to me was blamed on the modelling industry. Oh, if you didn't get into modelling now, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And actually... It started before. It started before. Yeah. And I think like when I started partying and everything, Party Alley was born and it gave me this kind of sense of belonging to yeah. something. Like I wasn't really authentically belonging to anything, but, you know, I was great fun. Yeah. And if you're in any way lost and you get into the modelling industry, there's a danger that you really get lost even further. Right. And it's very easy to not be seen. And it's yeah. really interesting that we go into the fashion industry where it's all about what you look like. Yeah. It's all about your looks. Um, but people don't care about what you have to say. People yeah. don't care about what's inside. I would you imagine know? that's incredibly isolating as well, even though I'm sure you were surrounded by people constantly. But I'd say like at the end of the day, after maybe a big shoot and maybe a few parties and some champagne, then you would go home and I don't know, was it isolating? Oh, but there was always a void I was trying to fill. Always, you yeah. know, I was always searching for this elusive happiness. Like what is happiness? And I I followed it around the world. You know, I if I wasn't happy in London and I remember breaking up with a boyfriend, I moved to New York Things weren't working out there. I moved to Miami thinking that if I moved place, then I would find happiest, happiness. And I always kind of thought that I was just about to get, you know, a grip on it at times. But I was always placing my happiness in ex external things because that's yeah. what we do. That's what we're taught to do. That's the way our education system is. It's the way our world is conditioned, that we are the sum worth of what we do for a living, what we own and what people think of us. Yeah. That's the way this world works. Absolutely. And it wasn't until kind of everything was stripped away from me. And, you know, I was lucky I was living on Central Park West. And I remember I keep saying, oh, my dream would be to go to New York and model. That was my dream for years in London. And then that happened. And I was like, but why don't I feel I was never ungrateful. Yeah. But I was like, why do I still feel this kind of urge or this emptiness inside of me that I'm trying to feel, yeah. you know? And then I got my apartment in Central Park West and then I was booking these beautiful, huge, big jobs and life was good, but I still felt quite sad. So you're, I, you're reaching the goals yes. that you set yourself in order to reach that like pinnacle of becoming yeah. happy. And then when you get to that goal, it's not there. So well, then you're searching for something else, essentially. And it's kind of like when like we get... Like a merry-go-round. Yeah, yeah, when we get what we want, then we're like, it's not enough. Like nothing's ever enough. And yeah. we live in this world of instant gratification. And I never really, I never liked being on my own. And it's it's interesting because I used to spend a lot of time with teachers. I had a wonderful teacher called Kadja Mortem in New York from when I was about 25. And he's the Kadampa Buddhism tradition. He was an incredible teacher. And he was able to relate the Buddhist teachings to life in New York. So he would kind of give us a teaching. And then he would say, for example, if you were waiting for this subway and this happened and you're like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Yeah. You know, he would relate it to you. Right. And I'd always leave um, his teachings going, yes, I can make some sense of the world. But then 24, 48 hours later, you know, you go back to your old lifestyle, you're out partying again. But the one missing link that I never really understood 
was that I was looking for people to fix me. So I was going on retreats. I was going and sitting with meditation teachers for three hours a week, an hour and a half on a Tuesday and a Thursday. But the missing link was I wasn't understanding that I had to do the work. Right. So I was going to therapists and doctors and I was on loads of medication. And I was always looking for somebody to give me the answers to my life. Yeah. And I was never doing the work. So really it was when I had my son and, you know, I had postnatal depression. I was put on medication again that I just started to question things, not for myself, because I never really valued myself enough to, to question things, but because of him. Yeah, because I wanted to show up as a parent and I was like, he didn't ask to be born into, you know, a chaotic world where the mom is kind of out. And I remember when he was very young, uh, like I obviously didn't drink during my pregnancy or when I was breastfeeding, but and I wasn't a daily drinker. But I remember when I would go out drinking, I wouldn't come home till six or seven and then my mom would drop him back and he would be like, mommy, mommy, can we play? And I would be on the couch going, no, I'm too tired. And I remember thinking this is not how I want to bring my child up because I wasn't brought up like that. My yeah. parents didn't drink. And I just was like, it's not fair on him mm. to have a hungover parent every weekend. Yeah. You know, who can't show up for him, who can bring him to rugby talk, but it's not, but who isn't present, you yeah. know? See, I was going to ask this, right? Mm. Because I mean, I've I've put it out sometimes on social media yeah. about topics that people want to discuss and stuff. And mindfulness is, is definitely one of the topics that has arisen. And like you've been in it for 20 years so I'd say it's kind of a funny thing for you to hear that maybe it's become a buzzword Mm. but it definitely has become very popular in Ireland at the moment but if people are listening to this and they are really interested in it and they may have Mm. like Googled it and found out a little bit about it but they don't actually know like where are the roots of mindfulness so where does it all come from originally like we've been having these chats in UCLA and Marvin Belzer one of the he's he's a a philosophy professor in UCLA at the Mark Centre as well and we were having you know I'm studying secular mindfulness so it's not attached to any religion or anything but you know we did have this conversation and we said you know but like obviously the root is in Buddhism yeah Yes, we can say that. And this is all open for discussion at the moment. And, you know, the whole world of mindfulness. But people are are just not very comfortable around any religion. A lot of people, a lot of the next generation coming up. What we do know about why mindfulness has become so popular is because people are looking for something. You know, our lives are too busy. They're too chaotic. Things like our phones have taken an awful lot from us. We do need to become more mindful. People are getting sicker and sicker and sicker, you know. And what people do is when they enter the world of mindfulness, they find it difficult and a lot of things come up for them that they're uncomfortable with. And this is why I always say we need to have these conversations around mindfulness because we need mindfulness teachers who are properly qualified, who are very knowledgeable in this field and who are able to work with people when stuff comes up for them. So to put it in simple terms, if you're not used to sitting on your own at all, ever, yeah. if you sit on your own for 60 seconds and you focus on your breath, you're going to feel some emotions or something happening in your body, primarily first usually, that's going to come up. And if you're not used to sitting with emotions, and especially if those emotions are what we perceive as negative emotions, yeah. it's going to make you deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. So what people do is, oh my goodness, I went and tried mindfulness. It was made me deeply uncomfortable. I don't know what all this stuff is about. And it's like, the thing we're not taught is that all our emotions are valid, our good and our bad emotions. Yeah. Okay, because I don't know where along the path we decided that only 50% of us as human be- beings was important. Yeah. And what we've done with people is say that 
if you are having negative emotions, go to the doctor. Yeah. Okay. And if you can't get rid of them yourself, well, then we'll help you and we'll medicate them away. Yeah. And this is a very dangerous precedent that we're setting. Then on the flip side, what I'd like to say as well is that the whole positive thinking movement, you know, the, the secret, the book where if people sit at home and they have positive thoughts all day, that their world is going to be amazing. Yeah. And the two ends of these spectrums are quite dangerous for people because now we have all of this chat about well-being to the point where it can become toxic, mm-hmm. you know, because people are, are like people now feel bad because there's so much information out there. Yeah. If they're not feeling good every day. And a little bit lost because of the bulk of totally information lost, as but well. Like, yeah. People come to me, I coach people on a daily basis. I hear from people all the time like this. I'm reading the stories from people of, you know, it used to be that people were, you know, depressed and anxious and didn't know what to do. And now we have an abundance of things to do. So people come to me now and they're like, I'm going to yoga four days a week. I'm meditating every day. Um, I'm writing in a journal and doing this. But what I often find with people when I work with them is that they're still completely disconnected from themselves. Yeah. They're like working really, really hard and trying to find this happiness. And then they're being really hard on themselves if they don't feel good enough. Yeah. So this for me always comes back to the baseline of as human beings, we don't feel good enough. Every single person has this in common. And I remember Oprah Winfrey saying in an interview, and I always say this because I think it's really important. And she was asked by a student that was interviewing her, of all the people that you've interviewed, is there something that you can tell us that all human beings have in common? She said, of the thousands and thousands that I've interviewed, whether it's the president of America, Nelson Mandela, somebody on death row or a child abuser, what did every single person say at the end of the interview? Was that okay? Did I do all right? Every single human being. And I think there's... There's great comfort in knowing that. Yeah. There's great comfort in knowing that what binds us together as human beings is that we all want to be seen. Yeah. We all want to be seen and we, we are all vulnerable. And we all suffer from perhaps deep-rooted insecurity. And we all suffer. And yeah. I, I think what we need to be aiming for with the whole well-being movement is for people to be okay with who they are and what's going on in their life at the moment. Like if you've just lost a loved one and you're grieving, to allow yourself to grieve and go through that process. Absolutely, 100%. If you feel that you're going through something that you're not able to cope with, I always say to people, you must ask for help yeah you know one of the things as human beings and Tara Brock she's a beautiful teacher says this all the time if you can't open your heart and if you're finding it very hard to find compassion Mm -hmm. for yourself or for somebody else ask for help yeah you know as human beings we're always trying to go it alone yeah we think that I'm going to go it alone and it's a sign of strength that's perceived I suppose by society as well it's like if you can do it on your own then you've made it. Then you've made yeah. it. And really when we dig deeper into that and when we start to explore it a little bit, do we ever do anything on our own? We don't. You mm, know, the no. food we eat has so many people that, have, you know, from growing it to the logistics before yeah. it gets on your plate. I'm surrounded by the most incredible teachers and coaches that I'm talking to two to three days a week. I study, I show up, I do the work on myself. But every day is a school day on earth. Yeah. Every day till the day we die. I would love to say that somebody, there's one teacher that has it all figured out. The greatest teachers know that they're still learning. Yeah. And I think that 
there's nobody on this earth that has it figured out. No. Nobody. That's reassuring to hear as yeah. well, yeah. We're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we will talk more about the teachings. Alison has brought in so many incredible books and I'm so excited to kind of dive in. We're going to take a break for our spotlight on sport now. So earlier in the week, I spoke to the captain of the Irish netball team, Genevieve Slater. It's a sport that gets absolutely no funding in Ireland and they're still smashing it internationally. So it certainly needs a spotlight and here's how we got on. First off, Jen, thanks very much for joining us today. So can you tell us a little bit about your own background and how you got into the sport in the first place? Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, originally from Australia. So I grew up playing netball from a young age, from about 11, 12 years old. Um, I was playing at a high, quite a high standard in Australia and it was quite full on. There was lots of trainings and matches pretty much every day. I then decided to take a bit of a break um, and go travelling back when I was 24. So I went travelling to London and then came to Ireland with some girlfriends um, and I'd stopped playing for about five, six years. And I just felt that I was missing that, this, the, the, missing something about playing sport or the connection, even yeah. with, with Aussies or Kiwis, that type of thing. So I decided to start playing again. It was a Monday night league um, that was being played in Rathmines. And from there, uh, a few of the girls who played on the Irish team, the netball team, so I should come and try out for the team. So from there, I tried out for the team and I've been with them ever since. So that was probably about seven years ago. I started back playing again. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and loved it ever since, obviously. It's, it's great to be back playing and especially playing at such a high standard, which I didn't think would happen yeah. after having five years off. So for any of our listeners and me as well, if I'm being totally honest, who don't know that much about netball, can you give us a quick breakdown of the sport? Yeah, so netball is really big, um, say, in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, in England. England's actually number three in the world. Northern Ireland plays it quite a lot as well. There's a few of the Caribbean teams. It's not so big in, in the Republic of Ireland um, at this stage. We're trying to grow that and get it uh, more into schools here. Yeah. It's a, it's a similar-sized court to a basketball court. Um, our court is broken into thirds. Uh, we have seven players on the court each for each team, and you're only allowed in certain areas on the court. We also don't run with the ball. So when you catch the ball, you actually have to stop. Whereas in basketball, you can obviously bounce the ball yeah. and, and keep moving. Whereas we would have to stop. Okay. Um, and when we shoot a goal, we just have a post with a net on it. So we don't have the backboard. Yeah. Um, and we only have two girls on the team that actually can shoot goals. Not everybody can shoot our goal. Oh. There's only two people that are allowed in a certain area to shoot. And they obviously will have two defenders on them. So it's quite fast paced. Yeah. Um, it's very quick sport. Um, yeah, and it does move quite quickly. So, so you said that yeah, you were, you, were very gonna, entertaining. you said that you were trying to kind of um, get it more into schools and stuff like that. So, what is the netball community like in Ireland at the moment? I mean, is it fair to say that it's kind of a niche sport? Yeah, it's 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 quite small at this at this stage. Um, as I said, I've been playing internationally with Ireland now for five, sorry, six, seven years, and. Everything is self-funded. So any trip that I've been on to, I have to pay for myself. Any uniforms, any physios, um, any flights to travel. So I've just obviously recently been to Hong Kong. We're yeah. in Singapore in December. We all have to pay for that ourselves. We unfortunately don't have any funding. So that makes it really tough um, to build a sport, especially a female sport in Ireland as well. I think that makes it even harder. Um, so we are trying to do a bit of work to get it noticed in schools in primary schools and in high schools and we're kind of hoping that that then 
might build from that and we might get a bit more recognition and a bit more notice and then yeah. potentially some funding so we can get more girls involved in it. Um, I'm a true, true advocate of getting females in sport and keep them in sport. So it's something that we're definitely working on and, and trying to push in the netball community here in Ireland. I mean, you said that, you know, you were in Hong Kong there recently. Um, I'd say that was an incredible experience. But for it all to be self-funded, I mean, why is that? I mean, is, is the Sports Council not funding you guys at all? Yeah, so we've got no funding at this stage from the Sports Council. That's crazy. Um, I think they, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. We are working hard yeah. and in contact with them quite a lot to try and get the support. When you're representing a country, you kind of would hope that there's even just a small amount they can dedicate, even to just covering physio costs or Absolutely. you know your travel costs or something along. Even a uniform would be brilliant. Yeah. But I think they would like it to be in more of the schools or more younger kids playing it, which right. we do understand as well. We get that. They want to put funding into something. They want to know that it's sort of going to be long-term, and we do understand that. But it's a bit of a catch-22. We kind of need the funding so that we can uh, put resources into yeah. getting it into schools and, and more more girls playing it. So if you were trying to kind of encourage younger girls to get into the sport, what would you say to them? What are the benefits of the sport that you've gotten out of it yourself? Yeah, look, it's, it's a great sport. Um, you, you can't go past um, playing a team sport. Um, I've always believed in team sports and, and having that connection with girls who are similar age to you. We all know how hard it can be growing up, especially as females. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's great to be in an environment where you can express yourself on the netball court, you can go through similar changes to girls who are on that team with you as well. I think it gives girls a bit of strength and a bit of confidence. I think that's really important um, for young girls growing up and as teenagers. It makes you a lot more aware of your body and what you can and can't do. And I always think that's a good thing too for young girls to learn as soon as they can. Um, But the main thing would be the confidence and just um, a team sport's always good, having that company, um, feeling a part of something. I always think it's good for mental health as well and to keep fit um, and physical is always a good thing. And I truly believe that girls shouldn't stop sport if they get too busy with school or other commitments that it's something they should continue to do because you really do get a lot from it. Absolutely. And Jen, finally, can you tell us what's coming up for you and for the Irish team in the near future and how can people get involved if they're interested in learning more about netball? Yeah, definitely. So as I was saying, we played a a tournament in Singapore in December. Um, We came fourth in that tournament, which is great. It's the best we've ever done, an improvement. And then we're just back from Hong Kong. I literally flew in yesterday from Hong Kong where we played in the Four Nations tournament, and we actually won that, which is just absolutely brilliant. Incredible. We're playing against, yeah, Hong Kong and Singapore um, and another team, Granada, which is from the Caribbean. And they actually have quite a lot of funding. So those girls would have everything paid for them. They would be training three times a week. They'd have strength and conditioning coaches, um, nutritionists on board helping them out, which we just don't have. So to achieve that um, when it's all just self-funded, we all work full-time here in Ireland, so we have to fit all our training in around that. It's just brilliant. So it's great for Netball Ireland. Um, It's great for the girls that are involved. We're absolutely buzzing from that, which is is great for us. Yeah, it's a huge achievement. Yeah, really big achievement. So we'll take a couple of weeks off and rest and recover. We have Europeans, which are coming up in May, and that's being held in Gibraltar. So we haven't got a long time off. We'll have to start prepping for that um, and starting up our trainings again. But we'll take a couple of weeks off now to enjoy that win um, and rest and recover so we're ready to go for Europeans. Um, If people would like to get in contact, if they're interested um, in potentially joining, we do have a school, a primary school league and a high school league that we have playing. You can go to Netball Island 
um, on the internet. It's probably the easiest. We have a Facebook page as well, which is just under Netball Island. And there's contact details on there. So um, definitely get in contact. We'd love to hear from from you people. Jen Slater, thank you so much for joining us. And listen, go and enjoy the win. Embrace it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so we're back. Alison Canavan is still with us here in studio and we're now joined on the line by broadcaster and presenter Sheila Shoga. Sheila, you weren't able to make it into studio today, so I am going to ask you still for our six words or less, which is the game that we play at the beginning of the show. So if you can describe yourself in six words or less, I feel like, I don't know, I think I might abandon this game because I, <laughs> I think it's a tough one for people and I never have to do it. So Sheila, do you think you can manage that for us? I never realised actually how tricky it was to distill. Okay, what am I? It was I actually found it actually very, you know, very meditative. Kind of going, okay, do I need to sit with this? Oh, that's and, like, it. Tune in and what I, what am I? Um, and I, you know, obviously a myriad of things came up. And I think being, I think, I think being Irish and being a woman, the old self-deprecating kind of, yeah. you know, our let's get let's get the put downs in first kind of came to the fore initially. I went, no, ditch that. Yes. Um. So I am going to go with. Communicator, student, and lover of life. I love, love that. It. I love That's that. Crazy, I'm lo- I'm loving that people are going for the more positive ones, mm. you know, because as Irish women, we do tend to immediately self-deprecate. It's really good that it's a positive one as yeah. well. I think it's completely relevant. So we are talking about mindfulness and you've spoken in the past about yoga and how much that helped you through a really tough time in your life. I suppose I kind of want to hear a little bit about your journey with it. I suppose really it's ancient wisdom that has always been there it's kind of it's really just the laws of nature and when we tune in to simple stuff uh, we become more aware of what we're doing what we're saying how we're behaving not just to ourselves but to others and you you start to appreciate things a bit more so it's a beautiful practice yeah. so what, regardless of what title you want to put on it whether it's you know you know whether you're Buddhist or whether you you like to practice yoga or whether you just you're an atheist who likes to just appreciate you know a nice walk in the woods whatever it is for you and if you if, if that's if that's also mindfulness is where you're being uh, drawn to um, and that's cool too uh, for me I suppose I've realised down to the years more than all of us there's not a person that's listening that hasn't had some sort of challenge or that won't be faced with one that will kind of knock knock them for six yeah and that certainly happened to me six years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer so it turned my life upside down inside out and luckily I'm here today as a new mammy as somebody who has learned a lot about themselves but also I mean as I said in you know describing myself it is it is a learning process every single day is a learning I feel some days that I'm flying it doing brilliant and the next day I could be 10 steps back from where I want to be and I'm going how am I here again? Why, yeah. am I, why am I in this hole again? So it's not a case that I've nailed it, it's done, it's sorted. I don't need to worry about it anymore. It's a constant practice of awareness and self-responsibility and actually just becoming, you know, control in control of what you're doing and what you're saying and, and realising that it's not about putting pointing the finger to anybody else or anything else, that it's actually all down to you yourself so um, I think um, yeah mindfulness is, 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 is a beautiful practice I think self kind of 
responsibility myself and Alison were talking about that a little bit early on and I think it's definitely something that comes up a lot when it comes to well-being and taking care of ourselves so for you Sheila what would be the things that you would do say day to day or even week to week to make sure that you're kind of taking care of your own well-being because I know you're a new mother as well so obviously life is probably incredibly busy for you so are there moments whether it's switch off or meditate or what are the things that you do for your own well-being? I suppose the me now versus the me prior to being a mammy to mm. me prior to being pregnant was different. It's, it's constant change because you're, you know, life is, is moving and, and different things are happening. For me right now, I'm not getting to a yoga class and I'm not getting to sit on a mat as often as I'd like. But I suppose for anyone that's done yoga and really kind of delved into the philosophy of it, you realise actually that yoga is a way of life it's not really just you know you know it's fantastic to be able to make a class and do all your lovely positions yeah. and that's fantastic but it's much more about becoming aware of your behaviors and your patterns so there's ways of kind of think, it, what i feel and i i thought that's why i was so attracted to yoga and then i kind of delved further into it and i did a number of courses is that it, it empowers you to um you know, to figure out when you are off track, yeah. and it allows you to kind of pull yourself back into check again, and and it and it and it does give you those tools. Simple things like being aware of of those voices that we have inside, and knowing which one is in the driving seat. Because there are days when, you know, that positive go getting all is good, going with the flow, you is in the driving seat and all is good. And there are days then when the, oh no, this is crap and I'm feeling a bit down and I just want to like feel sorry for myself and blame everyone else. So you need to be aware that when that voice is in there, that you kind of, you have a word. Now that's why it might sound a bit weird, but that's what works for me. Um, I, I, you know, it is, it is all about awareness. It is all about awareness. Um, And the more you practice it, the easier it gets to do it. It doesn't mean that those things go away yeah. and that you don't slip back into old patterns of behaviour. It just gets quicker to um, call it. I mean, I think when I'm not really answering your question, no. there are many things that work. Simple <laughs> no. things, and Ali would talk about this a lot, yeah. and probably far better than I would, is the simple exercise of breath. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times do we feel overwhelmed with whatever it is that's going on in our lives, be it, you know, work troubles, relationship troubles, you know, managing kids, whatever, and we just feel like, I just can't deal with this and I just want to scream from the rooftops. I think there's a time and a place for an L-scream. I think a scream can sometimes <laughs> yeah. be very cathartic <laughs> and a good thing to do. It's so but I do simple, think yeah. Actually sometimes just, yeah, just taking a breath. I mean, I used to run chant classes and um, I pulled back from them recently just because uh, life is busy being a mammy and managing work. But, you know, we would chant in the classes, but actually a few times, and it might sound a bit mental, but we let a few screams out and it was one of the best things we did because it was one class and I remember one of the women who was dealing with a lot of anger issues. She yeah. had a lot of stuff going on in her life and she was, there was a, there was a lot of pent up anger and I just felt, and it, you know, when you kind of get into this space, you realise that you're, you're kind of, as they say, getting out of your own way a lot of the time and you're allowing whatever it is to kind of come through and happen and you're kind of leaning into nature and you're going with the flow and all this so anyway I felt like okay I don't know why but I I feel like we need to do something different in this class we did did a a bit of screaming it might sound crazy it was one of the coolest classes that we have ever done I don't think think that sounds crazy at all I think that sounds really good it was brilliant and everybody felt this amazing release because there was obviously there was a huge sense at the beginning of people holding back and you know, a lot of inhibitions, whatever. And then, the, the, you know, when we all just let go and went with it and went, forget about everybody else. We're just doing it for us. 
you're actually letting go of a lot of old stuff. And yeah, definitely. Whole, I go off on tangents, as you might have, you can probably <laughs> tell. But I'm gonna it was let, really, really good. I'm going to let you go, but, Sheila, but I am going to ask you one final question, though. I mean, I suppose in terms of yoga in particular, I, I do yoga classes the odd time now, and sometimes I feel like I'm cheating on yoga. And the reason for that is when I'm in a yoga class, I feel entirely... Zen and I feel very much like there for my practice and I feel like I'm getting everything that I can out of it but then and I know kind of the three of us would agree with that like working in the media and it's just such a fast paced kind of environment that we're in the second that it's over I feel like I'm thinking about my emails you know so I, I suppose one of the big questions is like how do you or what advice would you give to people who are trying to kind of embrace yoga a little bit more maybe getting into it a bit more or really feeling the benefits for it but are still struggling to balance the life that they're leading outside of the yoga studio I think first of all first of all give yourself a break I mean we, we're not all so lucky I to know. hang out in the Himalayas so and meditate all day hard on so myself like, you know, we're as well human and yeah yeah and you know like that is just modern life because we're being bombarded by by everything, technology and all that goes with it and, 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 you know, managing all the different elements in our lives. So it's, it is harder to stay in that place of, of calm and connection because we have all these other distractions. And for me, and I find, and I'm still in the process of working towards nailing silent meditation because I find that a struggle, which is why I went into chant and that's what works for me. So I find I, I get those little moments of bliss through sound sound meditation right so that's 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 my thing it, everyone will have their own thing that works for them but meditation as well is not always about silence it's about dynamic meditation you can meditate through, through that's why the movement in yoga works because you're releasing and all that kind of stuff but I, I think just go easy on yourself I think it's 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 a part and parcel of, of human life yeah. you know the monkey mind is, is going and it's very hard to you know time to that old tree and, and give yourself a second to and I, you know what I always say and it's something that you know I've heard in different classes said in different ways but I always say you know allow the thoughts to come by in, into, your, into your mind and let them pass by like clouds it's yeah. okay that they're there just go that's alright you know and, and rather than getting because the problem is sometimes people get annoyed then in the middle of a meditation when they're thinking of all these things and exactly. that actually only adds their you know anxiety so just allow yourself okay I'm thinking about that's alright that's okay and just chilling and just being okay with it it sounds easier but the more you do it the easier it gets give yourself a little break and maybe have a scream once in a while (laughs) yeah I'm going to take that on on board have an scream why not (laughs) Sheila thank you so much for taking the call today not at all thanks guys Okay, so we're back. I always feel so comforted when I listen to Sheila Shoga's yeah. voice. Like I know, she's lovely. She's she? so lovely. I loved that. I love speaking to her there. Um, so I'm going to let you go now soon, Alison, but I do want to let our, our listeners and our readers know you have brought in basically a library of books and you have a few books here that you say that people mm. should 100% read in their lives. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So for me, I, I'm an avid reader. Like I read a couple of books a week. Like I read all the time. Now I have to because of what I'm studying. So I have to keep up on things. And I think different books resonate with different people. 100%. So I just want to mention really quickly two books. Yeah. Okay, Go, Into so the Magic Shop. Into the Magic Shop by Dr. James or Doty. Doty. So okay. he's done a lot of research in Stanford. He had the Dalai Lama gave a lot of money for him to do research and he teaches this beautiful compassion course. This is a book that I believe every single fourth year in the country should read and I'll tell you why. It shows us the potential 
for human beings when we believe in ourselves and when somebody sees us. He was born into a family with an alcoholic father and a mother who never got out of bed with mental health issues. And I just, my heart went out to him. He was very, very poor. A woman came into his life when he was 11 and said, do you want me to teach you magic every day? He showed up to her for six weeks and really what she was teaching him is mindfulness visualization. Wow. He is now a neurosurgeon. When you read this book, you will see that his path was not easy. Yeah. But the reason he was able to continue on his path was because of these teachings he got. It's a very accessible book and it's, it's an astonishing book. It says here, the remarkable story of a neurosurgeon's mm. quest to unravel the mystery of the link between our brains and our hearts. Yeah. So you were talking about the importance of our yeah. brains earlier on as well. That sounds so fascinating. It's it's a deeply moving book. And I think when you read it, you'll really be able to understand the power of mindfulness in yeah. a way that doesn't mean it'll make your life easier, but it'll help you to see more clearly. And then what was the other one as well? Is it Unmedicated? It is a book by Madison Taylor. Mm. And if you go on to Daily Arms, so daily and then OM and she sends out daily newsletters she's a beautiful teacher again out in LA and she's written the four pillars of natural wellness clear your mind nurture your spirit strengthen your body and find your tribe she's a whole section there about meditation and the last one is Light Watkins a beautiful friend of mine just released a book called Bliss More by Light Watkins a really stunning teacher. Her name is Light. It's a guy look at him on the back and you'll see how kind he is his name is Light and just oh I want to be his best friend you know by looking at him how deeply kind the man is and his his classes are the most wonderful classes I've ever been to so he's on this quest to make mindfulness and meditation accessible to anybody and let me tell you he's doing it with such a beautiful heart and making such a difference it says here it will make you want to meditate even if you feel your mind is too busy and I feel like that's something that most people in Ireland might struggle with you think like you know meditation mindfulness it's not going to work for me I've got too much on I'm too busy and you know I always say to everybody without really trying without really trying (laughs) when the student is ready the the teacher shows up so if you feel frustrated that you're not getting further along your path just remain curious and open and keep trying and know that there's something out there for everybody yeah absolutely now tell us Alison before I let you go because honestly I could sit here and talk about this (laughs) all day long but I've got people that need to go places and your son (laughs) is sitting outside as well and I feel like he's going to get annoyed so my events I'm really bad at promoting myself Um, (laughs) no let's do it let's do it so I wanted to so basically I was working on the full 360 idea it's it's a full day event for about two years okay yeah. and the idea came about because I coach a lot of people and I work with a lot of people in the area of mental health and addiction and they kept coming to me and saying you know it's great that everyone's talking about their mental health problems however I don't know how to help myself yeah. and I kept sitting with this going what we're missing something here there's a big missing link and what we're missing is giving people the tools and what my day involves is bringing you through all the tools at an experiential level so I do lots of meditations lots of mindfulness practice I do a vibration workshop where we look at your language how you speak to yourself why that's really important absolutely Um, I look at you know I do a juicing and blending demo we bring how money is energy into it and how facing your finances is a huge area of stress for people um, I also do you're talking about here just I'm noticing here um, in the pamphlet that you have you know the food and fitness thing and that how that's only two parts to the puzzle because I think especially now in this society of, of Instagram and kind yeah. of bloggers and influencers we're constantly being told well if you do your meal prep and if you yeah. go to 17 fitness classes a week that's what happiness is that's how you're going to look okay, like a beautiful so blogger I call food and fitness surface level wellness if there's no connection with yourself yeah. if you're still disconnected there. from the self mm-hmm. food and fitness is not going to make any difference in your life yeah. it's really the connection with ourselves so I say it's an inside out world that's the world we live in and even spending a little bit of time every day connecting to who you are 
will make all the difference because that's the only way you can truly show up for yourself. So then we finish the day with some kundalini yoga and sound healing and everybody gets a goodie bag. I talk about your toxic load as well. Yeah. Because it's really important that we also think about nature, the environment, what we're putting on our skin. Women put, this is for guys and girls by the way, but the only research we have is on women because women put an average 445 chemicals on their skin every day. What? So our bodies are amazing yeah. at detoxing because they really are. We need they have to, to. We need evidently. to recognise that. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? They're just not able for the amount we're asking them to yeah. do. So I always say to people, it's not a about becoming obsessive or extremist it's about looking at what can I do so can I change the cleaning products in my home yeah can I change the larger surface areas like my body lotion or my body wash or my shampoo and just kind of thinking about your health in a real full 360 way so it's a really fun, fun day you come you get a full lunch yeah yoga great you get a goodie bag worth 150 of all the products I talk about on the day that are natural non-toxic and helpful to your health yeah. you know so you've got wild nutrition fruit food grown supplements from this Henrietta who's an amazing woman it looks incredible Alice. And you're we talk be about unplugging and everything and you're well. going to be doing this oh unplugging yeah, detoxifying from that huge deal uh, digital detox I'm planning on doing that so you're going to be running these events then throughout 2018 is yes. that right yeah. and people can find out more on your website which is alisoncanavan.com alisoncanavan.com Alison thank you so much for coming thank in and you. talking to me like I said I literally could sit here and talk to you all day long that is all the time we have for this week thank you so much to Alison Canavan and thank you to Sheila Shoga as well for taking the call thank you to our spotlight on sport Genevieve Slater I'm Neve Marr and we will chat to you next week